We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Here we go. How are you? Welcome to Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet, and if this happens to be your first time here, it's nice to have you with us. I'm an Emmy Award-winning TV host, and I'm fascinated with finding out how people are wired to achieve greatness. It doesn't happen by accident. On each episode, we have in-depth conversations and reverse-engineer the habits and techniques of the world's top athletes, actors, wrestlers, entrepreneurs, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I want to get their insight so we could apply it to our own life. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation with John Silver is that John Silver is his real name. Yeah, just like the pirate and the restaurant, Long John Silver's. But seriously, it's been so great watching him grow and succeed in AEW. He's crushing it in the Dark Order. And I love seeing him showcase his real personality on Being the Elite. The future is so, so bright for him. Snap a screenshot, share this with a friend, share it on social media. Make sure to tag us so we can say hello and we can retweet this and share this on Instagram. John Silver is at Silver number one, and I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Easy to remember, right? And while we're doing stuff on your phone, make sure to subscribe. And if you happen to be listening on your iPhone, could I ask you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts? I really can't express how helpful this is. So please, just a few words, just a few emojis. That's really it. Whatever, whatever tickles your fancy, whatever floats your boat. This one's from Lucas Archer, 1992 in the UK. He says, Insight is the perfect name. I started listening to CVV on YouTube and followed over to the podcast. I listened to a lot of podcasts and Insight is one of my favorites. Chris does an amazing job, and I think because of the level of professionalism presented to the guests, we get the most genuine and enjoyable insights into their lives possible. Great work, Chris. Hope this helps you reach that target. Well, it did. It's totally helping me 
reach that target. Genuine. Genuine? Genuine. I was like trying to figure out. It does help, though. So thank you so much, Lucas. I appreciate you. And thank you for the kind words as we chip away at that goal of 2,000 reviews. And thank you for listening all the way on the other side of the planet in the UK. We're at 1736 right now for reviews, 1,736, closing in on that goal of 2,000. So thank you to you, Lucas, and thank you to everyone else who listens You know, on whatever platform you're listening on, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Thank you. Thank you for being on this audio journey with me. My guest today is one of the members of the Dark Order Ladies and gentlemen, John Silver. Well, you might be one of the most requested guests that I've had on my show. People are very hungry, very hungry for John Silver. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. I like that. <laughs> we are making this thing happen. Are you hungry today? Yeah, actually, I got a leftover skirt steak in the fridge right now. So after this, I will be eating that. So is this the secret to getting gigantic arms like yours? Steak, lots of meat. Uh, I mean, they don't call me the meat man for nothing. So <laughs> lots of meat. <laughs> it's not just food that you're hungry for, though, is it? No. I mean, I mean you can be hungry for anything, really. I mean, it doesn't have to be strictly for food. But I am. I do like to eat. So, uh, But it could, be, it could be anything. Let's say in a, in a typical day, how many meals are you eating? Um, so I usually do like like four or five meals and then two protein shakes. All right. So do the protein shakes also count as meals? So could we say like you're eating six meals a day? So uh, yeah, I guess so. So about like six meals a day. So this is it. Just eat lots and I'll get gigantic arms like yours. Lots of eating and lifting heavy. Is there like a, is there a certain technique I need in the gym? I did biceps today, but my arms are like half the size of yours. So what do I need to be doing? Uh, I just try, it's like, I just, it's hard to explain because I switch it up all the time. It's not the same stuff, but I try to just destroy everything. So it's like, if I'm doing biceps, I'm doing drop sets, I'm doing heavy, I'm doing uh, supersets. I'm going until like, they feel like they're going to fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not not get it where the next day or later that day you're in the shower and like, you're, you know, trying to put shampoo on and you're like, oh man. I feel like it doesn't happen anymore. I think my body's like somewhat used to getting beat up all the time. Like I still get, but like it's nowhere. I remember when I first started working out like heavy and hard. I remember at one point I did legs and I was working. I worked at Models, which is like a sporting goods store. And someone was asking me for shoes and they're at the bottom. And I just slowly, slowly like reaching and reaching and reaching. And they're like, what, what's wrong with you? Like I legs, I can't bend my legs right now. <laughs> but uh now i don't i'll get sore i did legs today i'll be a little sore tomorrow but i won't be that bad. so you're saying you're just in a constant state of pain all the time and you've gotten used to it yeah i, I think that's what it is i'm just he's <laughs> in pain so my body's just like oh yeah you're used to this i like that you touched on the fact that you worked at models before like you were working like when you got hired by AEW, you still had like a you know quote-unquote real job if you will yeah yeah i uh when I got hired, I was working at um, a gym called Lifetime as a trainer. Uh, but my girlfriend makes fun of me because I've had a million jobs. And it's just because it's just whatever that will let me still wrestle. So, uh, I mean, since I was like 18, I've like worked in multiple pizza places, 
kickboxing instructor, uh, Orange Theory, multiple different gyms. Uh, I've been so like models. I've been <laughs> so many different like jobs that anything that will let me like I can make money, but also get off ready to wrestle and stuff like that. I saw in a shot of Brandy that you were also a bartender at one point. Bartender, yeah, yeah, not a good one though. I worked at a, I did like one of those bartending classes, and they teach you to make these fancy drinks that no one orders, right? And they really teach you like the more practical stuff that you're probably gonna have to know. So uh, I worked at a dive bar. I just handed people beers mostly, and then like every once in a while, you get that guy that asks for that like kind of complicated drink. So I just be like, yeah, I'll get it for one second. I start looking it up on like Google. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> you know. But, what do you think is the most ridiculous drink that you had to make? I don't think anything stands out too much. I mean, uh, like for like it was for the most part that bar was so hole in the wall that it was beers, Jack and Coke. JMO ginger and then we had like so this bar had weird shots that it was like known for doing i don't know if it was it wasn't as popular when i was working there but i remember going there when i was younger and it would just be like one was like a cotton candy type shot but it's like it's not even alcohol it's like (laughs) on bullshit the other one is i don't know i guess it could be slightly offensive to say but it was called the because this is what it looked like. It looked. It was called the bloody abortion shot, which might be offensive to say, but it was like red and it had uh, Bailey's in it. And people would ask for that. I'm like, oh, this, it's really not alcohol. Like you're drinking nothing, but people like that. So that's probably the weirdest one I had to make. Well, those are the kind of shots that when people take them, they're like, oh man, we're going to get so messed up and it tastes great. Yo, yeah, if it tastes great, you're not going to get drunk. <laughs> So when you when you started working some dates for AEW, you were still working at the gym. You were still working that job. Yeah, at Lifetime, at Lifetime Fitness. So I got lucky because Alex also worked at Lifetime, but he worked at a different location. So I got hired because my boss used to wrestle. So he like loved the rest. Like that's the only reason I got the job. I had like one like. That lifetime, you need to have like a bunch of different certifications. You have to go like do this, and that. I just had the one uh, NASM certification. So like if I went there, I didn't know him. I wouldn't have got hired. But uh, he, yeah, so he hired me. He got the deal. He's he's like, oh, you can have the day off. Just, you know, when like, if you're going to have what, Tuesdays and Wednesdays off and some of Thursdays off, uh, just try to come in on your other days that you wouldn't be here. So I'd have to go in on like Fridays or Saturdays. But I would just bullshit so much. I was a bare minimum because I knew that's not what I wanted to do. But I still was like right there or I was wrestling or that's all I did. So at what point did you realize, all right, like wrestling is going to be the full-time job. Like this AEW thing, it's happening. I think once they put us in the, when they actually put us in the dark order, because uh, every time he went down to AEW, they always had like Matt Jackson always came up to us and had like an idea, but he always says stuff like very nonchalant. So I didn't think that's ever going to happen. Cause like the first time he went down, we, we uh, lost to Santana and Ortiz in like a minute and a half. And we were like, at first we're pumped because we got hit up and they're like, Hey, we want to book you guys for AEW. And it wasn't like we asked or anything. It wasn't like we hit people up. We, like they came to us and said, we want to book you guys. So we're like, awesome. We're in. 
this is our big break. We're going to do it. We're going to have a TV match. And then when we get there, the, the, the board says local talent. And that's, that was us. And I was like, Oh shit. We're no, like they, we could have been anyone really. Uh, so after that, we didn't really think we're going to come back or think we're going to do anything. But, um, uh, Matt Jackson came up to us. He's like, Hey, uh, I got this idea. Like maybe you guys just like come back like every, every week. And we just always announce who is like the local talent uh, everywhere we go. And you just always lose. I'm like, whatever, I'll do it. I'll do whatever. <laughs> Ever gets a foot in the door. That's all I want. And then, uh, they, so the next time they, it was like two weeks off. So we thought, Oh, we're never getting called back. And then yeah. hit us up for West, I think West, uh, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia. I was there. West, oh, sweet. Yeah, so they hit us up, and um, we had the match with uh, Trent and uh, Chuck, and um, they flew us out. They put us in the hotel. They did all that because the other sh- the first show was Philly, so we just drove there, drove home. Uh, this they flew us out. It's like okay, that's a good sign, right? That's a good sign. And then uh, you know it was basically just another match to for them. And then um, Matt Jackson's like, hey, uh, maybe like we'll put you in the dark order or something. I don't know. I'm like okay, cool. Like, is it going to happen or not? Cause then like, I think it was another week or two we were off and then eventually it started to prog- like progress and it was actually going to happen where we started filming vignettes and uh, all that stuff. So I, I think once we actually got in the dark order, we're like, okay, we're in the dark order now. We, we yeah. have to be here, you know? So that's when we kind of knew this is going to be something, this is going to be our job. I remember being in the production meeting and they were like, all right, so it's going to be these guys against uh, the Beaver boys. And I was like, what? The Beaver boys? And everyone kind of in the meeting was like, yeah, sure. The Beaver boys. And, <laughs> but you, I don't think they actually announced that on TV though. Did they? No, they never announced the Beaver boys. We, once we started getting booked, we kind of knew they didn't really ask us anyway, but we knew we wanted to get away from the name. That was kind of like, we, we did it on the Indies and it was like, uh, it was a, joke on the show i like called tim and eric so they oh, did a great show yeah they did a little skit they loaded a few times but uh the beaver boys and i'm just like that's a funny name like let's just be the beaver boys and i was like yes yeah, do it so what is behind you right now there's some in- incredibly impressive artwork <laughs> from, what from is Don- going on here that's uh from dodgeball you ever seen dodgeball is oh this is ben stiller <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. From purchase right there. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that's money well spent, I'd say. Not bad. I actually, I actually enjoy it. So <laughs> he got that's into good. phenomenal shape for that movie. Yeah. He looked great. He's, he's, look- he's been in like really good shape, but then he'll kind of like go back to regular and then he'll get jacked up again. But yeah, he was, he looked good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember watching that and being like, man, if Ben Stiller can get into that kind of shape, Anyone can get into that kind of shape. Yeah, he uh, he definitely he definitely worked out pretty well. Uh, that, that movie was great. The whole movie is fantastic, though. Oh, I love that movie. So if if you had all these other types of jobs along the way, with the intention that you were going to be a wrestler, was wrestling plan A, and there was zero plan B for you? Pretty much. Uh, I think I would always like was trying to think of stuff that I could actually enjoy that I wasn't going to hate my like just hate my life doing just in case wrestling didn't work out. But uh, like one thing I kind of told myself when I was like young, I'm like, I gave myself till 30, but I probably would have went a little past that. But I'm like, if I don't make it by 30, maybe I'll just move to like Hawaii or like 
somewhere nice and just work on the resort and just that will just i'll just do that <laughs> you know like because i'm like i don't need i don't i'm not like a big i need a fancy car i need a lot of money i just kind of like to enjoy myself and enjoy my life so i'm like maybe i'll just do that like why not but i'm i mean it never came to that so we're good well you had a lot of steps along the way where it looked like you know you were you were making these milestones along the way in that process in that progress of becoming a pro wrestler like you made a ton of appearances on wwe did you ever think that any of those appearances would lead to you being in wwe uh no because um just the way they kind of like they do stuff like if you're an extra that that i kind of realize that means nothing unless you're you have to be an extra and they you come in and you're you know six six and jacked up like they might be like oh we could do something with this guy but if you're not they they don't care like how many people have got signed because they got squashed and they like that colin colin blaney but you know like yeah uh, james ellsworth yeah there's very yeah. few it's it i knew it wasn't very likely um and i like i think back in the day sorry my thumbs in the way uh back in the day they used to have you do like matches during the day and they'd kind of see if they kind of liked you then i've done extra work a bunch of times and i've had a one match during the day oh who was that match with it was against alex actually oh okay so we had a good match it was very you know quick five minute match but it was like i'm looking around i'm like i don't know if anyone here is in position to hire anyone (laughs) so it's Mm -hmm. like i don't know if this is for nothing but you know I mean, they, people said they liked it, but I don't know. So, um, yeah, I didn't, after any of those things, I'm like, I'm not, I didn't think anything would ever come out of it. Well, you have a, you have a tough enough audition that's online. I watched it recently. It's pretty good. <laughs> Did they encourage you? Did they go, Hey, you know, we've seen you backstage. We've seen you at a few events, you know, maybe audition for tough enough. No, they never said anything. They never responded to that tough enough thing, but they uh, put it on their YouTube channel. Yeah, just put it on their YouTube. They knew it was good and entertaining, but I, I, I don't know what they're looking for for the show. I thought, like, I try to think of outside the box because I knew everyone in the whole world was going to be like, oh, it's my dream to be a wrestler. And I've always watched. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to do some dumb stuff and be entertaining. Like, it's all, like, it's all you can do. So, uh, but they never hit me up. They, never, they, just, they just put it on their YouTube. And I'm like, awesome. It's on their YouTube. And then no one ever contacted me. So not even to ask me if they could put it on YouTube. Yeah. Just, so well, you, was, you signed that away when you sent it to them, I'm sure. Like I'm mad or anything, but it was like, yeah. just put it up. They didn't even hit me up. They didn't even ask. They didn't say anything. Yeah, it's a, kind of like a tease. A second interview, like nothing. It's kind of a tease for them to go, we acknowledge this. It's good enough of all the auditions to put it on our YouTube channel. But yeah, we're not even going to reach out yeah. to you. Yeah, so I don't know what they're looking for, but it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't me, I guess. <laughs> so was there a certain part of you when you went to AEW, saw your name on the board as local talent that you went, oh man, here we go again. Yeah, that's what so I think like for a while me and Alex were like, damn, we need to like make stuff happen now. Like we kind of put AEW on our like number one, like we wanted to get there more than WWE or anywhere else, but you know, we, so we went to AEW. We were pumped 
And then once we sold up with town, we're like, oh, back to being depressed again. <laughs> you know, this is we're we're back to, you know, as if nothing happened in a sense. And we're used to like, if you go to WWE, you extra work, it's almost like they don't even care. Like you're not going to get looked at at all. So luckily, AEW is different than that. Um, and you can see that even with like now, a lot of people that have been extras recently have gotten signed. So um, it's, it, but it was at first when we first saw that it was pretty depressing. We're like it could have been anyone, but we just happened to be here. So, but I mean, it, it worked out, but once we saw that we were very, <laughs> pretty, pretty upset. Well, it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter now because yeah. it all works out. But was there somebody that you felt you needed to win over, whether it was in the ring with what you did or backstage? Is there someone you felt you had to win over to try to come back more than once? Uh, well, we knew the Bucks and we've wrestled the Bucks before. So we knew like they, we didn't, I mean, not that we didn't need to impress them, but like they knew who we are. They, they knew we could wrestle and stuff like that. Uh, we wanted to make sure Tony saw everything um and cody so you know after the show we like try to stay around and try to find them and just make sure we said again like thank you for the opportunity and all that stuff um but it was mostly just hoping that those like those two would at least see it and hopefully enjoy it and when you were like when you became part of the dark order you're like yes like i'm going to be part of a faction we're going to be here all the time but at the same time like i got to wear a mask yeah so they it was like weird like I feel like there was no, there was like a conversation, but there wasn't really a conversation on the mask situation because they gave us the mask and then we thought like we were just going to come to the ring with the mask on and then like as like an entrance type thing and then take it off and we wrestle. They're like, no, we'll do the opposite way. You come to the ring because they already know what your face looks like. Come to the ring without the mask on and then you put them on when you wrestle. I'm like, oh, I don't want to wrestle with a mask again. Like I've wrestled in Chikara with a mask and it's not fun. Uh, so I was okay. I mean, I'm obviously happy just to be there and stuff like that, but I'm like, Oh, I got the mask on. It's tight. Sometimes it moves around. You can't see as good as you normally could, but, um, I didn't mind it, but it was just like, we, they gave us the masks and they were pretty crappy masks. <laughs> then we're like, we need to make our own ones, obviously. So we had to have a conversation. I think with Christopher Daniels, we're like, Hey, should I buy a mask? Cause they, no one knew like, is it going to be a quick thing? Is it going to be, have it for a few shows? Um, so he's like, yeah, just get the mask and we'll, we'll see what happens. And then it ended up being like a few months that we had to wear it. But, uh, yeah, we, I knew I'm like, I need to get something that is good on the beard because the first mask just did this. And I'm like, I can't wrestle like that. Let me show the beard a little bit. But, um, yeah, I knew how to get at least a custom mask. So where did the conversation start to open up where it was like, we don't need to wear masks when we wrestle? Um, that's when uh, like BTE and stuff like that happened. Um, we Once we started, like the, like the people started really like us on BTE and, you know, and enjoy what we're doing. Uh, Tony watches it. So he like knew that was happening. And I was going to ask to mention like, hey, can we like not wear the masks? Like, I don't think anymore, but eventually Tony's like, Hey, don't wear the mask. What do you, you gotta show your face. You, you, you got all this character here. What do you, why are you wearing a mask? And I'm like, I don't want to wear the mask, but, uh, I'm lucky he said something eventually, but, 
Like I, I thought it was funny. He like said it as if I was like, yeah, I want to wear this mask all the time. You were like, thank God I don't have to wear this mask anymore. Thing. And I remember Stu, because Stu's crazy. He's like, oh, we have to think of an idea to make sense that you take off the mask. I'm like, nope. Tony told him to take it off. It's done. I'm never wearing it again. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> BTEs like completely changed your career, I feel like. 100%. Yeah. So how did, how did you like, that's a very coveted spot and maybe, you know, some people make a cameo on BTU, but now you're a guy, you're on BT frequently. So how did that, how did that come into fruition? Um, so I think, I don't know if it was Uno's idea or if it was, uh, Matt Jackson's idea for us, but he think he mentioned it to Uno, like, Hey, maybe you guys do like recruitment bits or something like that for BT or I forgot who brought it up, but, um, then Uno was like, oh, I think maybe that'll be good for Johnny and Alex. So we tried to film. The first thing we filmed was a reason why we're trying to recruit people. And the first idea was just going to be me and Alex, which we did those recruitment videos also, where it was just me and Alex recruiting people. But we had to think of a way for it to start there. So we had us in the room. Brody comes in, papers, <laughs> throws the papers at Uno. And then like... We just that bit and saw like so many comments about, you know, that whole bit. And you could see me and Alex like holding in our laughter. So once we did that, we're like, okay, we need to, we need to film stuff. Like we just need to keep on filming. Um, like we'll do the recruitment bits too. But like now, like we need Brody, we need the whole group. We need like other stuff as well because it was just too good. Like it, like we were laughing in it. People were commenting how much they liked that, just the, the papers itself. So we're like, Let's just keep it rolling. Let's just keep on doing it. It's amazing when you when you watch how BTE is filmed because you know it's just it's just a few guys with a few cameras. You don't really think anything of it because it's just you know a handful of people while you're doing it. Unlike when you're on Dynamite and you've got this entire crew and a production truck and everything, it's amazing the reach that something like being the elite has when yeah. it's really just a few guys and some cameras. Yeah, it's uh. It's so weird because it's it's, it's just a hundred percent our ideas, a hundred percent stuff that we say. Like it's just us being us. It's not no one's telling us to do anything. It's just whatever we want to do. So it's, I mean, it's cool that the people are liking it because that means they're just liking us as people. It's not even there's not like much of a character I'm playing. It's just me joke like us joking around really. Um, and it's well like crazy how much that affects dynamite, like and like. Like if you do stuff on BTE, people in the crowd are going to start chanting it at Dynamite shows. Or, you know, even like right now we have like a few people in the crowd. We don't have like 500. I forgot how many people we let in. But, you know, people chanting Johnny Hungy, people chanting like like anything that I say and do. It's like so weird how that translates onto a TV product from our us messing around on YouTube, you know? Well, you're so over right now, and the Dark Order is so over right now because of being the elite. Yeah, 100%. that's. We thought we were going to get me and Alex. At least thought we were going to get fired uh, because because when the pandemic hit, um, we couldn't do. New York was locked down, so we couldn't go to any shows. And then Stu and Unor from Canada, they couldn't do any shows. And then you know we had Brody do his debut. Um, and then after that, like we weren't there, so they added five and ten, and we were just like, oh, that's it. There are that those are the replacements. 
because they both also i think they they both go to uh cody's um school the nightmare factory so like oh okay that's you know their guys we're getting re- replaced um so we came back we eventually came back we were kind of we were kind of in bad spirits me and alex and then we just decided to do the like the bte stuff and then that just completely changed everything man it, it, i feel like the, all these stories that you're telling is like this this constant state of anxiety of like this this might happen but it's probably won't happen yeah yeah, that's been my life. Uh, I mean, now it's been fine. I've been feeling great now. But like before AEW, then even still when we got into AEW, and then now I feel good and I feel comfortable for once, <laughs> which is nice, I guess. <laughs> hey, you deserve it. You deserve uh, to feel that way. Thank you. <laughs> Take me back to the first time that you met Alex. Um, I was 14 years old. I, I started training when I was 14. Uh, Alex, I think was 18. I think, I think he's four years older than me and he started training. Um, so he started training about a week or two before I did at, uh, MYWC in Long Island. So I went down, I started training, um, and Mikey Whipwreck was a, was a trainer. Uh, he's very basic. So you gotta do all the basics, right? So we took about three months or two two to three months before we were even allowed in the ring it was all chain wrestling on the outside um and then every once in a while i'd be like all right get in the ring do some rolls that 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 was about it but um so then we you know all the people there was like there was like eight new people around the same time so we all were stayed together you know uh i think out of all those eight me and alex the only people that kept on wrestling like everyone quit you know throughout the like a month, this guy's out in a week, this guy, you know, so we're the only ones to stay together. And then we realized that Alex lives pretty close to where I live and I'm 14. So I couldn't drive. Um, so I would always ask for like a ride home and have my mom drive me to practice and then the training and then Alex would drive me home. So, you know, multiple car rides, it's about 15, 20 minutes from the training place to my house. So we just always ride home. And then eventually like once people started to like us a little bit in training, like, uh, Trent was there uh and some of the other guys like a lot of times you go to taco bell after after training and get food and then we go home so just us you know that's how we all became like friends really i feel like i didn't even know you could wrestle at 14 i thought you had to be 18 to start training i don't think it was legal or at least i think it's legal to train i don't think it was legal for me to be on shows but i was i started on shows when i was 16 but uh yeah i called up and um I asked and they're like, they knew, like, I told them I was a wrestler in high school. Uh, I played soccer. They're like, oh, if you're athletic and your mom and your parents or whatever is cool with it, you know, we could sign you up, just come down, check it out first, and we'll see where it goes from there. So they were cool with it. I think their like normal rule was 16 to start training, but they're like, ah, oh, you're in shape. You can, you can do this. They're so, like, yeah, you, you already have a full beard, I'm sure, at 14. <laughs> sure. Uh, then I, I wish I, nah, then I had, I could always grow facial hair, but I'd never even tried this back then. 14. I think I was clean shaven. That's 14. Yeah. Right. The last time you were clean shaven, right? I think slowly went on. I did little stuff on my facial hair. Uh, 18, I definitely had a beard, but it was a short beard. Uh, I think I did a little, like the little, just the chin goatee thing. Oh, like the Fred Durst. 
Yeah, kind of like that, but not just the chin. Like, I think he did like a little bit like here too. And then like, I just did just this. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I just slowly, pro- yeah, I think that's what I did. <laughs> I definitely had that at one point in my life. So I know a lot of podcasters listen to the show. So if you have a podcast or you've always thought about starting a podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to that next level. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art from one of our graphic designers, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasts, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and a ton of other stuff. On top of that, we'll also help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the different listening platforms. And the best part about this is you get it all for just 15 bucks a month, which is the same rate that you'd be paying at another hosting site just for the initial setup. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're starting from scratch or if you have an existing show that you want to just blow up, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your podcasting experience. But acceptance into the program is limited. So make sure to get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join. Also, check out the description box of this episode for more info. That's the links down there as well. It's bwhustle.com slash join. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com 
betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight. At what point in your life did you decide wrestling's it? I want to be a pro wrestler when I grow up. Um, it's like weird. Cause like so many people have like the story of, Oh, when I saw this match, I knew I had to be a wrestler. I just didn't, there was, I never had that. I just was like, I'd watch it as a kid. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a wrestler. Obviously. Like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> like, I just, there was no, like, I think right now I'm going to be a wrestler. It just it's like, yeah, I watch wrestling. So I love, you know, I love watching every week. I'm going to be a wrestler. Of course. So <laughs> there, so it's, there really was like no moment. Um, I just, always knew that's kind of what I liked and that's what I wanted to do. I mean, back then you don't really think it's definitely going to happen because you're, you know, I started watching four or five, six years old around there. So you're not like, yeah, it's definitely going to happen, but that's what you dreamed of doing since, since I started watching. Were you also in a backyard wrestling? Um, yeah, but like not like the crazy stuff that everyone was doing. Like back then it was like crazy hardcore jumping off houses. Like I eventually had a trampoline, so I'd do it stuff on there. Of course. Uh, it, yeah. So then I met a few people that also did some backyard wrestling, but we made like one music video and that was it. And then like, we were supposed to have one show and I canceled. I was like trying to get there. Like, Oh, we canceled it. Sorry. I'm like, Oh damn. But, uh, I, I, I tried to find that video, but I couldn't find it. Back then, I, do, I was scared to do like anything. I was scared to do backflips. I was scared to do even on a trampoline. It was like I was probably like fourteen or fifteen. So uh, I think it's probably like fourteen. It was probably right before, like as I started training. But um, so I would do like just the the easy stuff. But uh, I did yeah, I did backyard wrestling. My brother, I would kill him stuff because he would be like my my like all my moves would be on him. He was a lot smaller than me. So I would just throw him around and stuff like that. So I feel bad for him. Actually, I pounced him. I did a pounce because that's a, a Monty Brown. Monty Brown, yeah. I pounced him. We had a net up. I, he went right through the net somehow. The whole thing collapsed and just landed because we had our backyard is concrete. Landed right on the concrete and he oh. just crying. I felt really bad. But he would, but I beat him up a lot. But uh, I mean, it helped me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if we, if we look at your career, there's been a few markers where things have really, you know, taken it to the next level. You know, we mentioned a few, the AEW debut, B, BTE, the Dark Order. But I feel like when Brody came in as the exalted one in the Dark Order, that's when the Dark Order started to be taken a lot more seriously than it was before. But it wasn't always going to be Brody as the exalted one. Like, there were a lot of other rumors. Like there was, it was possibly maybe Marty Skrull, maybe Matt Hardy. Did you know it was going to be Brody? Um, so they told us originally, like, oh, there's going to be an exalted one and it's going to be the leader of you guys. I'm like, cool. Uh, I think the first one was Matt Hardy, I believe. Um, and Which like, is oh, what I, everyone kind of thought. 
Yeah, it's like he could do the, you know, the freaking the gimmick he was doing. What the hell is it called? The broken mat. Sorry, right. uh, broken mat with you guys. Oh, that'd be really cool. And there's like we have ideas of even like getting like thousands of people in mass, like you know, doing something at the compound or something. I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. This is really cool. Um, that was the first name we were told. I'm not sure if that was like definitely the first thing that was definitely going to happen. I don't think it was ever going to be Marty. I know people always think that it was going to be Marty at one point, at least like the first time we talked to the bucks, they're like, they mentioned Matt Hardy. Then it's like, ah, I don't think scroll, like it could be scroll, but I don't think that would fit well. So at least from the first of my knowledge, it wasn't never going to be him. And then like, Oh, it could also maybe be Brody. So we kind of knew it seemed like they were more into Matt Hardy at that point, but they also didn't mention it could be Brody, but it was, those three names are mentioned and it was definitely Matt or Brody. Um, I was down for either, obviously. Uh, I thought either could be super cool and different, but I, I liked the way I think with Brody, it made the most sense. Um, just the way the character went, like, and what we were like, Matt would have been, he was a face really. So he would have had to make the broken Matt gimmick heal again, but I think it was too likable at that point. So it would have been a weird dynamic. But um, Brody came in as this like douchebag cult leader boss, and it was just I thought it worked really well. I thought that the tribute show for Brody was just so beautifully done, and I'm curious how difficult was it for you to wrestle on that show? Um, yeah, I'm a pretty emotional guy, so uh, that was difficult. But I thought I was going to be worse because um, I. I, like I said, I'm very emotional. So um, it was difficult. The whole day was difficult, like being around people that it was good too, but it was also like, I can't stop thinking about this. You know, um, the match itself, like I went out there. Well, I, so if you look at the first match, the first match was on the card was the Colts match. And if you look, I wasn't there during the entrance. I come in late. Cause I just was, I went to the back, I went to our room and I was just kind of like, out of like, I was just not in a good mood and I totally forgot Colt was up and I forgot we had to do the entrance. So I heard the music and I'm like, screw it. <laughs> I freaking started running there and I come in the last second. So like you see, you don't see me come out with them. And then once Colt eventually does the, the pose, like I'm, I'm there. But, um, yeah, I went to the, I went to the back and I wasn't in good spirits then. Um, but then, uh, the match itself was, I got out there and I'm like, okay, I have the match on my mind. Like, it's, so it's like taking me, I know it's, it's in a sense kind of taking me away from, you know, Brody, but it's, so I had something to think about, you know, yeah. but, uh, it was like right after, once I hit the line, it kind of, it all hit me at once. So that was, uh, very difficult, but, um, you know, it was just, uh, it just all hit, it all hit me at once. So. Yeah. When you think of Brody Lee, what, what is it that comes to mind for you? Uh, he, he was the man. I mean, I, like he was just such a happy, uh, good guy. Like there was no like negativity. There was no, he was always like laughing. He always had this really big smile, especially with his freaking big beard. He'd always have on, uh, but he was just a good guy. I mean, I told the story on my, my, my social media, but he bought, the ring jacket I have, he bought that for me just because 
he thought it would help me look more like a star if I had that ring jacket. And then he also bought me matching gear that I wore at the Brody show. It was just supposed to be for a BTE sketch. And then I asked him, he's like, hey, I want to buy you this stuff. It's going to be cool. I'm like, man, that's amazing. That's so nice of you. Like, whatever. And then I'm like, what's the BTE sketch? He's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll think of something though. <laughs> so he didn't even have a real idea in mind. He just thought, ah, it'd be funny if maybe Silver dresses like me one day. Oh, so he wow. just, and like, it was it wasn't like uh, some cheap gear jacket. Like altogether, it was uh, over a thousand dollars that he spent on me that he didn't have to. I never asked for it, um, just because he thought that would all be good for me and good for BTE and the skits we do. And uh, so he's he's just the like super nice, always positive, not ang- like. I don't think anyone has a bad thing to ever say about him. He was just really not like such a good guy, like a genuine guy. Um, and he was, I mean, so funny too. Like, as you can see on BTE, so freaking funny. He, and he would, so he would do this and it would like almost annoy me at some points because he'd try to film BTE and we're trying to get through these uh, sketches and he'd purposely try his absolute hardest to make me laugh. But I'm like, if I laugh, then we gotta, we gotta do it again. So he would like, you see so many sketches of him getting right into my face and screaming shit at me and just trying to make me laugh. And it always worked. So that's why we had to do the, like, we'd always start pretending we we're crying because we we're just laughing. Or he would just really say, are you crying? It was just because we we're always laughing because he was so funny. It's clear that he saw something in you. Like he wouldn't go out of his way to do all of that, to buy you the gear if you were just, you know, just another wrestler. Yeah, he was um he was thrilled because you know, he came in big debut, had a title match going well, you know, had the TNT title and then Tony, he got real excited. Tony told him that we wanted to do that he wanted to do like a um like a Stevie and Raven gimmick with us, so I'd be like his uh his Stevie to his Raven and he was so excited for that. So I think he's like, "Oh, we need to we need to make this good." We need, and I was pumped. I'm like, hell yeah, we get to do some funny stuff on or fun stuff on on dynamite. Like we we did the one thing um where where he's having a promo in the ring and I think he's I think he's celebrating the TNT title win and I just grabbed the mic and I'm like, You the man, Brody, you the man and he just punches me in the face. Like so we started a little bit, we never really got to do what we wanted to do. But he was he was thrilled for that and um he was just really happy at that point. It's so hard to boo the Dark Order now with all of that said. Like you guys have, in effect, become baby faces. Yeah, 100%. It's, we knew it was going to happen eventually, but we kind of thought it would just be probably like me and maybe Alex. But now it's, it has to be all of us. It's, and it's, it has been like, um, it, we didn't have to do anything too crazy. Just, it just, we had to, we had to just be baby faces at that yeah. point. You know, we've heard Alex's side of how things went when he got knocked loopy in the ring. What was your reaction to seeing that and seeing your best friend there, like, you know, pretty out of it? Well, I didn't know um, until I think Billy Gunn was on the side. I think he realized because I didn't see it happen. I was on the floor uh, and then Alex is in the corner. So I go up to Alex and he was fine talking to me. So I go up to Alex because um, we had to do this during the match during the match. So we had to do something coming up in the match. So I go up to Alex. He's laying in the corner and I'm like, Alex, I'm like, are you Billy? Billy guns like check on Alex. So I checked. I went, Alex, you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. 
but he's just laying there. I'm like, all right, well, this is our, this is our, our thing right here. This is our spot. So then he starts to get up and I'm like, oh no, he isn't good. But the way he was talking to me, he was fine. It wasn't like, you know, slurring or anything weird. And I didn't see anything that happened. So I'm just down the ground. And then I look up, Alex is laying, Alex, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. Well, this is what we got. We got to go up. We got to do our spot now. Uh, so once he got moving, I, so it's like, it's so hard to, like, I could have grabbed him and pushed him down and then did everything by myself. But at that point he's up and he's there. It would have, uh, so I'm like, and it was like so quick that he got up and I was going to try to tell Nick, Hey, he's messed up. But it was at that point, he's already, already doing everything. So, um, I think I said it in to, to Nick as that's going on, but I don't know if he heard me or not, but, um, he realized too pretty quickly that Alex was a, uh, you know, a little messed up there. But he wasn't ever knocked out, and I think that there was a real misconception there. He wasn't like knocked unconscious. Yeah. So people like there's different ways that you can get knocked or knocked out or knocked for a loop or whatever. Like some people are, if you're you can get knocked completely out, you're unconscious, laying there, you're you're nothing's going on. Right. Then there's there's things like you see in especially the UFC fights. Uh, someone gets knocked and they're still moving, they're still up, but their body is just not cooperating with them. Like right. these legs all on, you know, on like skates, you know? Uh, then there's also, which happened to me before, not in AEW somewhere else, but, uh, I've got knocked out where actually my brain wasn't there, but my body still did everything it was supposed to do. So that's a different way to get knocked out too. Um, and a lot of people like you see, like, probably heard stories of like finishing matches and not knowing what happened. Yeah. Like That's, I think Kurt Angles famously did that when he got pedigreed through the table and the table yeah. broke too early, finished yeah. the match, doesn't remember any of it. Yeah. So that could happen too. So it's, it's weird. And Alex was just, so Alex had the one where his body was just wasn't cooperating with his, with his mind. Wow. Uh, I don't know which one's better, which one's worse, but, um, that's why it's tough. Cause I asked him if he's okay. He says, yes. And then yeah. he was. Wow. Who would you say have been your mentors or currently are your mentors in wrestling? Um, I mean, obviously I gotta go with Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, cause he trained us. Yeah. And we were like his last like real students, um, at MWBC. So eventually he, I think moved to Pennsylvania and he wasn't there as much. So gotta go with Mikey. I mean, I've had so many people that were, like I started wrestling just helped me out a lot. Um, like Trent, um, was big. Like he was my first, like we call it a mini match, like just a match, like practice match backstage. He was the first one I had and he wanted to wrestle me and he made me do like cool stuff. And then people were like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing that cool stuff. You just the first match ever. And Trent just like, yeah, I want him to do it. That's what I want him to do. Um, Trent, uh, people like even like Dan Barry, um, you could say Alex, Tony Nice. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of people, especially from like MYWC that I can kind of name from there as well. But, um, I think those are the main ones, like people that just always, always trying to help, um, like take me on the road with them, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, you get like other ones too. Like, I guess I could even maybe even say Eddie Kingston. Uh, 
just from wrestling him a bunch and Chikara road trips and a lot of Chikara guys too. Cause when I was doing, when I was doing that, I was like 20 and 21 years old. I think I started at 20. So like I was wrestling people like, uh, Jigsaw and, you know, Kingston and a lot of like their big names at that point, which was pretty cool. And that kind of helped my career a lot. So even a lot like just being around those guys all the time, having matches with them just really helped. I think, you know, my development, you know? Yeah. This may sound like a ridiculous question, but is, is John Silver your real name? Yeah, real name. Okay. All right. <laughs> so did, did your parents realize they were naming you after a pirate? Well, it's actually my dad's name also. So Okay, so you're John Silver Jr. Not really. I, I think like a junior is if you have the same exact name. So we have different middle names. I don't think my dad has a middle name. I or actually, I think he does have middle names. Yeah, we just have different middle names. So I was never just named John Silver Jr. Like, I mean, some of his like his friends would be like, oh, it's Junior, but uh, yeah, it's not part of my name. Okay, so you're, but you're, okay, so your dad was named after a pirate, and then you're now named after a pirate. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah, you, when you saw Long John Silver's The Restaurant the first time, were you like, ah, that place is named after me? <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I was like, oh, I, I wish I liked the food. I wish I, I I'm not a seafood guy. I don't like seafood at all. I mean, I like some, I like some sushi and stuff like that. But uh, I wish I liked seafood so I can go there and be like, "Hey, this is uh, you know, it's my name, John Silver." You know, but I, I don't, I've never been there before. But uh, yeah, so, I don't know. so at what age do you realize my name is famous outside of me? I'm probably young because you know, once you hear there is a pirate named John Silver. Like, <laughs> Which is it wasn't a real pirate. It was based on a book. Um, so it was like a you know a famous book, and then people just know Long John Silver, and then you see Long John Silver's the restaurant. So I knew it was like okay, this is like it's a famous name. A pretty young age, definitely, because you know you go to kindergarten class and your teacher's like, oh, like Long John Silver, and I'm like, sure, yeah, okay, <laughs> it's like the pirate, like cool, yeah, I guess that's it. Did it ever make you second guess your wrestling name? No, I just, I, I, there was no other name in my head I had. It was always, I'm just going to be John Silver. Like, it could be John Gold. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I remember I used to play soccer one time uh, when, I was a, when I was young. And there was, uh, back then we used to have our names on the back of our shirt. And one of the kids on the other uh, team name was Gold. So I tried to kick his ass i guess a little bit we played soccer rough when i was when i was young so it was like we're throwing checks we're throwing like kicks like it was rough so i'm like i'm gonna i don't like this kid <laughs> i mean it's just you could have been johnny silver i guess and then when you know there wouldn't have been as i guess you're kind of johnny silver now right yeah it depends on what people call me I, I i mean so many people call me johnny so like growing up people call me just silver so i'm like i guess my name or wrestling is john silver but people call me johnny I, Whatever they call me, they call me. Does anyone call you Jonathan? No, because that's not my name. It's really just John. It's John, yeah. Oh, that that is very rare for that. Yeah, no, no, John, Jonathan, just uh, just regular old John. So, what's next for John Silver? What are what are some goals that you want to cross off your list? Uh, I mean, I got a bunch. I mean, I just always want to keep the ball rolling forward. You never want to like stop. So. Um, I just, I mean, right now I really cannot wait until the crowds come back at like the full force crowds. I feel like that's going to be a whole different world. 
Um, but a, a lot of stuff, I mean, obviously I just always want to be relevant where I'm always on TV. I never, you never want to fall off TV for a few weeks or like a few you know, months, some people, you know? So, uh, that's the main thing. There's at least always being relevant on TV, but of course you want to win the belts, you know, obviously people always tweet me like, Oh, I can't wait for John Silver to win the TNT title. I'm like, hopefully one day or, or the tag titles or oh, the world title. You know, why not? You know? Yeah. But, always always you always want to keep on improving and even when you get there then it's like okay like i, I don't like to ever stop i don't feel like like we're talking about being comfortable like i said i was being comfortable where i'm not in constant anxiety now but <laughs> it's always not comfortable as well and that's a good thing so then you keep on moving forward um yeah the tnt title i would be would be great even just like more pay-per-view matches. I was thrilled when I had my first paper pay-per-view match with Orange Cassidy. That was a big thing. Actually, I got real emotional. Like I said, as an emotional like guy, but my music hit, I'm walking out and I'm like, Oh no, 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 not right now. <laughs> so I'm like, I got a little no teary. Way. Yeah, I got a little teary eyed. Uh, I think my mom was there too that day. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, um, the belts, I can't wait for action figure too. Hopefully this year, I want an action figure. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> I hope you're, so. You walk a really interesting line because you're a single star, but also part of a tag team. It's actually great that you can kind of dabble in both. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm a, I, obviously I'm still a tag team, but, um, you know, Tony's been kind of putting me with some single stuff or yeah, I'm just kind of doing what I like to wrestle singles. I like to wrestle tag. So I'm kind of happy with either. As long as I'm wrestling, I'm happy. As long as I'm out there, I'm happy. Uh, and as long as I'm progressing, I'm happy. So, um, so yeah, it is a little like weird. Like, like, hey, you have a singles match on pay per view. I was like, okay, that's really cool, but different because by that point, I was only doing tags, I think, at that point. So, um, it was just something completely different. Yeah. I saw on Instagram yesterday that you did a killer Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. I sure do. Have you always had this? Yeah, I just randomly try to do his face. And like sometimes I actually look it back at it and sometimes it's not good because I just laugh. No, too this much was good. Time. Give it give it to us. This is very good. You, you, you talking to me, huh? You you talking to me. <laughs> so oh, that, good. So that brings me to I'll see I might as well promote this too. I've started a new YouTube page. I haven't posted it. I'm well, I don't know when this airs, but Tomorrow is when I post. This is films on Monday. I don't know if you're, when you're posting this, but uh, every week I'm trying to drop a new video of wrestlers recreating movie scenes. So, so okay. So where can people subscribe to this? Because everybody's going to want to subscribe to this. Uh, so it's under my YouTube channel name is, I think it's just the Meat Man. I made it like a while ago or Meat Man, but the videos are going to be under the silver screen. And then mm. the first anchor man. So the, the first one will be anchor man. Uh, it's going to be me is Ron Burgundy. We got, um, 10 is brick. Uh, Cal is evil. Uno. And I can't remember the last guy's name. The guy with the long hair and anchor man, but that's going to be Alex. Obviously the hair guy is going to be Alex and, um, Ryan Fantana. Yes, Brian Fantana. There it is. But uh, that's the first scene we do. Also, I have the Sandlot already filmed. Oh, my gosh. Got a lot of good stuff coming. So it's going to be pretty funny. 
Well, good. I will, I will find the link and we will put the link down below so that everybody Perfect. watching this can subscribe to it. Perfect. This has been such a delight, John Silver. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is fun too. No, oh, thank you. I, I, uh, I'm a big gratitude person. I, gratitude drives my life and I end every interview by asking you, what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now? Oh my God. I mean, obviously where I'm at in just in life in general, that's like, that's like a, I know it's pretty broad, but like I've worked my whole life to get to where I am right now. And so I'm, you can say, I'm, I guess I'll put that as my career, my wrestling career. I'm so grat- like so happy for that. Uh, so happy for, I have so many, like, um, I'd say my fans too. There's so many people that like are, I get a lot of messages. Like I, I have my DMs open and I don't really respond to a lot of them because I get a lot of them. And then I'd feel bad if I don't respond to some. So I, I do see them eventually. Yeah. Um, but there's some stories that people are like, so genuinely um, like, like moves. I don't think, I don't know what the right word is. Like, like so happy if I do like, if, to see me wrestle or to see me like on BTE or just see me post dumb stuff on the internet. So it's like crazy how I affect people's lives in such a positive way. Like they're sharing in your joy with you. Yeah. So it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's weird, but like good, weird, like not in a weird, like bad, weird. Uh, so I do love to see that too. So I got to say, obviously my friend, uh, my, my fans and um, I've had uh, my whole life, like I said, like I mentioned, my mom driving me to, you know, wrestling training my whole life. So I think my like support system was always good. Like my parents, like, obviously they always were like, maybe you should get another job. Maybe you should try looking into this, doing that. But they were always very supportive. If I didn't have them, I wouldn't have, I would have had to drop out and mm. not had to do, you know, I would have had to do something else. So parents and even like my brother and my sister, and my friends, my my friends would make fun of me sometimes every once in a while, but they were always very supportive of everything I do. So, uh, I mean, that's if they weren't a part of this, I wouldn't be where I am. I love it. Well, like I said up the top, people were very excited to have you on the show. So, I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. So, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it, my friends. John Silver and the future in AEW is so, so bright for him. And I love that he's showcasing, you know, who he's really all about in being the elite. And I think that we're going to start to see a little bit more of that in Dynamite and AEW Dark and the pay-per-views as the months continue here. Hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and take a screenshot. Share this with someone who you know will be inspired by this story of never giving up. Man, those side jobs that he had, those part-time jobs as he was making it in the world of wrestling, I love hearing stuff like that. Tag us on social media. He's at Silver Number One, and I'm at Chris Fanfleet. We'll leave you with this. It's from Wayne Dyer, who said, change the way you look at things, and the things you look at start to change. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight.